You know, for us as followers of Christ, I think that Memorial Day weekend has an added layer of significance and meaning. And this year, I wanted us to take this time and hear from someone who understands in every way, on every level, Memorial Day. Clint Bruce is a retired Navy SEAL, former NFL linebacker, graduate of Annapolis, and actually has become a really good friend of our church, specifically through Spur Leadership. He's spoken at several of our events in the past. Clint is the founder of Carry the Load. Carry the Load is a nonprofit dedicated to restoring the true meaning of Memorial Day throughout our nation. I had the opportunity recently to sit down with Clint at his office in the Dallas area and talk about exactly what Memorial Day really means. Clint, thank you so much for making the time to sit down with us and uh, share a little bit about your story, which I know a little bit of, but give everybody a little bit of background, kind of how you grew up, yeah. ended up going to the Naval Academy, and then... The Forrest Gumpian snapshot there you go. Yeah. is my life. Uh, well, first off, thanks for making the effort to come on up here to Dallas uh, and, and, and to capture some time together. Um, great effort. It's been amazing to meet your team. Um, but yeah, I, it, we were just talking about this before we started filming. I grew up in Arkansas. Um, grew up in a, in a family that was really, faith was really important. I, I watched a father lead through faith and I watched a, a mom lead through faith and I grew up with this uh, farming family who, listen, you don't make it in farming unless you have faith, right? And, and uh, so lived there until middle school, then moved down here to Dallas, uh, to Garland and, and uh, just kind of fell in love with Texas football and started playing. That wasn't very good. I was joking earlier that, you know, I was the fifth string fullback in eighth grade, which not a big deal, but there were only three other fullbacks, so they skipped the whole position on the depth. It was a little hurtful. Um, but I remember, I, we, were, we were joking about this. I'm, right now, I'm watching this Magnum P.I. marathon with my daughters. And I'm, well, that's I'm, the original. The original. Okay. We, I don't acknowledge, Actually, the real Magnum. Yeah, I don't acknowledge yeah, I the current that. one. They're, they're, the current one doesn't count. Um, but I remember sitting in the den. I just had this memory a few days ago. I was sitting in the den with my, my father when I was fifth grade, and we were watching Magnum. And I said, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the football. I'm going to go to the Naval Academy and play football. And I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. And uh, because that was a character, Thomas Magnum, right? Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, just was fortunate to kind of stumble into that reality in some ways. Uh, grew up here in Garland. My, my senior year, my, my father passed away. Um, I got to watch my father die very well. And, and, and that's an amazing experience. Uh, my, my, my father had this physicality. I mean, my, my brother and I are both big, and my dad was a, an athlete as well, and um, more of a try-hard kid. What like, do you mean you got to see him die well? So I got to watch this man with his tremendous physicality wither in the hospital. Like, when in the hospital, he was my size, and when he passed away, I could, I could carry him in one arm. Yet you had to be mindful of his physicality declining because you couldn't see it. I mean, he had this just um, love for Christ, and, and he was just always on ministry. And, and, and I would have to, when I go see him in the hospital, you would have to be intentional about seeing how much he had physically declined because his spirit was so rich and so vibrant. And, and so when I say I watched him die well, I, my dad lived with the purpose of, of making Christ famous in the, in the business world, and, and he just didn't stop that until God took him home. And uh, man, what an amazing tribute to him and, and what an example really for me and my brother to, to go like, hey, listen, in all these circumstances, our dad's still chasing 
this this guy called Jesus, right? And and it took a lot of excuses away for me. I mean, I had a tremendous amount of anger when Dad died. Um, and there was a season of my faith where I was, I probably remained faithful just out of not wanting my dad to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I was just like, hey, I, I want to keep believing because my dad did, but I'm but I'm mad right now. And, and were you at a place where you were mad at God? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I didn't understand in the economy of, of 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 the meritocracy, like why would you bench him? Like why would you, if you had Dick Buckus on the field, why would you bench him? Why would you pull him off at the peak of his influence, right? And and so I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand why why God would do that. Um, and uh, selfishly, I just. I miss my dad and and you know for four years i took that out on a lot of offensive players as a as an athlete of the naval academy I, I'd, I'd always wanted to play in a, uh i was very fortunate to have opportunities with different schools but there's something about the naval academy i just always loved i've always loved the army navy game and i was interviewed one time and they were asking about sports and you know, they said what do you think the greatest rivalry is i'm like well you tell me what you think and of course you know texas ou and ohio state michigan all these other things and i said man those are great games i love those games but Army Navy stands apart. And they go, why do you say that? And I said, well, you show me a game where everyone playing is willing to die for everybody watching, and I'll tell you that we have company. And I just wanted to be a part of that. And, um, and, and so was fortunate enough to get into the Naval Academy and then, and then played there, had, had a, a amazing teammates. I mean, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of metaphors about war in sports sure. and, and, and football in particular, but uh, when we say play like the guy next year's life depends on it, like we mean that. And, and, and to go to war with the guys you played football with and to um, be in a position where they had to save you or you had to save them. And, and from our sister service academies as well, from, from Air Force and West Point, I was just incredibly blessed to have had that experience and played there. And then got to play a little bit in the NFL. I, I still to this day don't fully understand why. I, you know, they picked me up at the Baltimore Ravens and I played the same position as Ray Lewis. <laughs> and I just remember being in a practice one day. As best I remember, he yeah, started most of those he's games. He's pretty good. He? He's yeah. pretty good. I remember in practice one day going, man, it might be easier to become a Navy SEAL than to beat out Ray <laughs> So, And I'd been selected for the SEAL program out of, the, out of Annapolis. And so for me, I remember I'd just gotten married to my incredible bride, and, and we just had this conversation, and I was talking about, you know, football, and I love the game. And, and for me, it felt like, the pro was just gonna be more of what I already knew, even though it was amazing to be there and very humbling. And here's this adventure called trying to become a Navy SEAL. And I didn't know if I could do that. And I've just kind of always been called to go where I don't know. And so, mm. and, I, and I felt incredibly honored and humbled to have been given a billet out of that Annapolis. Only 16 of us were chosen to, wow. to try and make it. You so what year was that when you graduated Annapolis? 97, so okay. 97, then went to the Ravens and then came back out, went to uh, training, made it. Uh, very fortunate to have made it through that training. Checked in the SEAL Team 5, came out briefly for the Saints in 99, and just remembered, you know, what I loved about the SEAL teams and, and uh, left and went back into the SEAL teams and, and did multiple deployments and then came home uh, to a beautiful bride and an eight-month-old daughter. She was born while I was over. And um, just looking at this landscape of SEAL officers and SEALs that were just so much better than I was. And, really? And, oh, yeah. I mean, in I what just, ways? Well, I mean, you just you just look around and, you know, the machine is built to replace you, right? And and as a guy who'd lost my father, you know, I, I was now a father and there were some circumstances in my family and my wife's family where I just knew the community was going to be great and maybe even better without me. Mm-hmm. Um, but my family needed me and, and, and I'd been gone since my dad had died. Uh, and so it was just time to come back home and then just started starting businesses and then and, and really... Um, wasn't having a particularly great transition 
because um, I thought I'd I thought I'd transition as an athlete when I became a CEO of what I realized I'd, I'd kind of just upgraded right. And so all of a sudden I'm in my early 30s and I have no idea who I am. I'm not an athlete anymore. I'm not an operator anymore. So who am I, right? And, and that really is kind of what led to this and, and carry the load and some of the neat things that we get to know each other about. I think that transition is one that is hard for a lot of people. Sure. And I think, I think all of us, very few of us transition from the NFL to the Navy SEALs yeah. and out of that. But, but everybody transitions are hard. 100%. And, and you, you touched on, I think, that sense of identity yeah. of this is who I am. Yeah. And now all of a sudden... What do I do? Yeah. Well, there's a moment in everybody's life where they have to reinvent themselves, right? Sure. And, you know, uh, you want to be in the NBA and you stop growing, right? Or, or you know, you, you wanted to be a professional singer and then puberty, like whatever it is, right? right? Like, right. But, you know, and, and we have to realize that we were fearfully, wonderfully made, um, but that doesn't mean made for this, mm. right? And wrestling with that and, and, and understanding that and, and accepting that, that hey, our, our creator may know more about us than we do. It's possible. So provisioning uh, the possibility that he has a better plan for us than we had for ourselves. What makes it particularly challenging as an athlete or a veteran is how acutely we experience that identity. Um, you know, you're in front of 90,000 people telling you great job. Um, or you know, every day you wake up knowing who you are, why you exist, and what you're supposed to do. And, and for, for me, um, to have those voices in some ways be reminiscent of my father's voice, to, 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 to la ha no longer have that currency. And like, you know, currency isn't money, it's the value proposition upon which you make decisions, right? And so. Wait I've, a minute, I want you to say that again. Yeah. So, currency, so is currency isn't money. money. Currency is the value proposition upon which you make decisions. Yeah, right? that's so, so true. So it, could, it could be beauty, it could be gold, it could be cigarettes, it can be cattle. It doesn't really matter. It's you know, it's just hey, I I believe this is worth this, right? Yeah. And and it's how we really make decisions. And um, it's your value system. Yeah, and, and fundamentally for me, I, I identified myself as a as a protector and a provider, mm -hmm. and then here I am, um, not needed as a protector as viscerally as as, as I was used to because we have amazing law enforcement and fire and rescue personnel and. And then uh, struggling as a provider, and you can start asking yourself a lot of questions about yourself. And then, and then even worse, telling yourself stuff about yourself that isn't true and believing it. Unless you have community and, 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 and scripture and people who love you enough to, 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 uh, that you got to listen to them. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you for a second there because I think you just touched on something that's really, really important. Yeah. Not only, but especially for men. Sure. When you see yourself as that provider yeah. and it's not going well, right. you start asking yourself those questions. Yeah. Dig into that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, and again, you know, provision can mean many different things, but I think a lot of times for men, in particular for me, I associated provision with, with physical and material provision, being able to afford the, the life I wanted to give my wife and children, right? Without even asking them if that's what they wanted, right? right. It was my definition of provision, right? And so failing to meet my definition of provision was a struggle in, in, in how I tried to work through that was by broadening the aperture of what provision really looked like. Mm -hmm. I think most men would be really surprised at what provision meant yeah. to their, their spouses and their children. And it, and it um, may be much easier to provide than what we think, right? 
hey, I don't want the new car. I want you to come watch me in my play, yeah. right? I don't, want you to, I don't want you to miss this game. And if you're missing this game to make a payment on that lake house that we never go to, I think we have to ask ourselves a lot of questions about what provision really means when it comes to our families. This is something that I've wrestled with myself, sure, but sure. I'm also in my job as a pastor, I get to see a lot of people right. at their best and at their worst. Right. And I think a lot of times work for men and women work Work is easier than home. Yeah. It's, it's easier, especially if you are quote unquote in charge or if you run, if you run the shop and you hold people's paychecks yeah. in your hand, they're typically going to do what you say yeah. to do. Whereas yeah. that 13 year old son or daughter, they yeah. don't care. Yeah. You yeah. have to earn, you have to earn the right in to parent and lead for them. For sure. Interesting enough, like battle and ball can be easier than being a parent. Like where the world largely fears, you can be like, I feel at home here, right? I feel at home. On a, on a field with four 300 pound men trying to kill me, right? Yeah. M- more so than being at dinner that night and not having a, an answer for the reasonable question my wife just asked me, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think for, for us, what I had to do is I had to, I had to really um, start believing what I said I believed. When, when uh, you know, God says you're fearfully, wonderfully made and, and you know, I remember the, f- I've always loved the book of Esther, which I think is really as a as a, as a guy, right? You sure. know, but Esther, but Esther. I remember we we did a, a, a mission one time, and the scripture that popped into my head was Esther, you know, uh, four fourteen, where Mordecai says, "For a moment such as this, you were built." And I thought that was so neat that here's a scripture about a woman that, in the peak of masculinity, I, I heard. And now I'm raising daughters, which yeah. I which is interesting to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, to to really examine who I was supposed to be. I, I tell the story all the time. I got invited to a Bible study and I didn't really want to go. Um, and I probably went for business reasons as much as anything else because who was in there. And I walked in a room full of super successful business guys that, that I was like, okay, I want to be like this. And we did Ecclesiastes. And I saw these super su- successful uh, business guys just evidence what Solomon was saying when Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And I'm a scoreboard guy. Sure. So I was like, okay, well, that's not it. Well, that's, <laughs> like, that's redundant. Scoreboarding yeah, guy. Yeah, we kind exactly. of drift in that but direction. But for me, it's like, how cool was God to radically interrupt my planning process mm-hmm. by making me go to a Bible study with Ecclesiastes, which is like, okay, everything that looked like winning isn't, isn't winning, Clint. So, so it was a really kind of tender and sweet time for me as I look back on it now, sure. uh, trying to be who I who, who God always wanted me to be. So what year did you get out of the teams? I got out of the teams in about 04. 04, and then you come out and start starting businesses, starting yeah. companies, well, et cetera. Yeah, I went to work for a wealth management company that was wonderful, just knew very quickly it wasn't what I was supposed to do. Uh, and then Katrina happened, went to Katrina, pulled a bunch of people out, um, and discovered an ability to be an advisor as it relates to risk for businesses and families, which yeah. I felt infinitely capable of, right? and so. When you come out of this environment where there's nothing you can't do, um, it's 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 hard to discover what to do then, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what I love doing. I love building leading companies that allow us to work for the best leaders in the world and create amazing careers for veterans and athletes as they transition. And I describe the transition a lot as like being told you can't play football anymore, but you can still be an athlete. So you just look out there and go, well, lacrosse looks interesting. I'm gonna find the most amazing coach and I'm gonna do whatever he wants me to do with what I know how to do right now mm-hmm. while I learn that sport, right? right. And, and, and that's really what transition ought to be is sell widgets for someone who amazes you and inspires you, right? And, and there's a lot of self-discovery on the way. So I try to, I love building companies that allow 
you get out on Friday, on Monday, you can add value to the kind of business leader you want to be around and, 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 and work, learn from. Because you can chase the wrong people pretty quickly in the private sure. sector. Absolutely. If you're not careful, right? Yeah, you know? for sure. So I try to use this as a, a, a platform to just match winners and winners and, yeah. and see what opportunity spins out of that for those guys. And then it was out of that experience that Carry the Load yeah. came into existence. And that's really on this Memorial Day yeah. weekend, I think, you know, you and I had the opportunity to meet close to 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah, well, and uh, I just know, I know your heartbeat about Carry yeah. the Load, but explain yeah. what that is and what it's all about. So I would tell you Carry the Load is really born out of um, me knowing I didn't know what I was doing anymore. Right. And and I'm kind of a process guy and I'm a visual guy. And so for me, there's a difference between being here and home and here is geography. But home is knowing why you're here. And I didn't know why I was here. And, and, and I think so many of us experience, hey, I'm here, but I'm not home because home are where your people, your passion, your purpose line up. So being a visual guy, I was like, hey, my family, my friends and the people who need me most are on the other side of this door. And that's home. And I'm just here and I got to get through that door. So how do I get through the door? Well, in the military, we blow it up. It's called C4. It's fantastic. You can cook with it. You can blow things up. C4 is wonderful. But C4 for me became a, 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 an acrostic and it stood for a career, compete, contribute, and have a catalyst. Because what I realized is my career until I was in my early 30s was competing, contributing, and having a catalyst. And, and I was burdening this job beyond the ball field on the battlefield with provisioning what only all four of those things could do. So the career was just, hey, just show up and do your job, right? And I couldn't get in a letter grade deal. It wasn't ones and zeros for me because I'll get, never give myself a good grade. So, hey, did I do it or did I not do it? And then compete, started finding ways to compete again because competing will make you take yourself seriously in a way that very few other things will. Mm -hmm. Just putting yourself in a position to fail if you don't train. And, and, it's, and it's really trying to invite yourself into this um, preserving what, what God blessed you with or this, this mortal shell, right? And then contributing is really where Carry the Load came out. Um, and I was just every year, you know, before Carry the Load, there was just a few years where I was just really frustrated that Memorial Day wasn't being done the, 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 the way I needed it to be done as a guy who missed his friends. Sure. And there was this kind of acute moment. I was at a, a barbecue with some really great friends. And, and when I call someone a civilian, it's, it's not negative, but it's not, right. it's not complimentary. When I say citizen, that's a compliment. A citizen is someone who um, contributes in, in whatever way. I, I think service is very relative. Um, I know guys that served 20 years in the special operations community and it wasn't as hard as uh, these ladies who teach at these inner city schools for 20 years, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, military doesn't have the monopoly on service. Um, and uh, my bride came up to me and she said, you're making everybody uncomfortable. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I had this beard and these tattoos and big guy and she showed me a picture of myself. I was like, all right, maybe a little bit. And she kind of walked me on the side of the house and, and she knew what was going on. And she goes, hey, uh, I, I know you miss them and I know you hate this. And she, she just gestured to the weekend. And she goes, I've never known you to not do something about the things uh, that bother you, so do something or get over it. And so I went home and I grabbed a pack and I put a pound. Nobody, nobody can cut you down to size oh, like, like your man. spouse. Oh, yeah. When you need it, yeah. in, in the right ways, all right, the right, right ways. Right down to the ground. And, um, and uh, I, I put a pack, I put a pound in my backpack for every person I lost and I just started walking. And I was at White Rock Lake up here in Dallas and I was coming around the corner and there was this older gentleman who I could just tell was a World War II gentleman and I was gonna say something to him. Um, but as I got close to him, he actually said something to me. So I, I pulled my headphones out and and he said, son, and I said, yes, sir. He said, who are you carrying? And it just, it just crushed me. 
And it was a beautiful crushing because he had articulated that ache and he had put words to the weight I was carrying. And, and I shared a name with him at that time and um, kind of kept walking and got back to my house and I'd be gone for hours. And I laid down in front of my house and I, I dropped my pack and my bride comes out. She goes, you're lighter. And that's why I know I took my pack off. <laughs> she was like, no. And uh, she goes, you walked it off. And, and, and for me, that's really what it became. It became this uh, annual thing that I would do. I would just put on weight and go and I'd go to, I couldn't go anymore. And I got asked so often why I was doing what I was doing. And it was amazing to me to, when I would try to explain it, how, how aggressively just great businessmen and women would go, I want to do something. Yeah. Like, I do not want you to think that I don't care about your friends. And I, and I want to tell you about my uncle who was killed in Vietnam. And, and I want to tell you about my grandpa. And, and everybody has this story of service. And uh, so a dear friend of mine named Stephen Holly, who leads Carry the Load now, uh, he needed it as, as much as I did. And, uh, and I said, see, we're going to walk. We're going to walk for 20 hours, 11 minutes. And we're going to ask people um, who you're carrying. And we're going to listen. And, and when someone asks us, we're going to tell them. And Steven's a real athlete. So Steven's like, hey, I want to run. I'm like, I can't, you, you can't run and talk. Or specifically, I can't run and talk. So we're not running, right? And it's turned into this amazing thing um, that has just, um, I think for the veterans, you're really mad when you think no one cares that you lost your friend. And my friend thought you were worth dying for and they didn't even know you. And I need that to make sense to me. And if you don't think about them on the one day you're supposed to, it makes them die for you not make sense to me. And I need it to make sense to me. And what's been amazing throughout the whole carry the load experience is just how many people show up. Just, just say, hey, this, I, don't, I don't know anybody who served. I don't know anybody. Uh, I didn't lose anybody, but I want you to know that your friend, your son, your daughter, your, your daddy mattered to me. And man, it's hard to stay mad when you have enough of those conversations. And that was, that's my favorite thing to do with carry the load is, is to get with the angriest guys I know um, and, and challenge them on their anger. I was like, hey, you, you think you did that? That's a 60-year-old hedge fund manager, and he's been walking for 18 hours. And in his hand, he's carrying the name of your friend because he didn't have anyone to carry, and I gave him to him. And he'll run over there. He's like, show me your hand. Show his hand. He's like, that's my friend. And they just spend minutes and miles talking. And, and uh, that's, that's, you know, I don't think anybody, I, there's no part of me that really celebrates coronavirus or COVID. Um, but, I, but I will tell you that a byproduct of that is, I think, recaptured intimacy and, and renewed connections and communications. And I, I, my daughters are growing up the way I grew up, to include watching Magnum P.I. And, uh, you know, the, the, they're riding their bikes and, and, they, and they're knowing their neighbors and they're finding ways to serve their community. And, and it's been amazing to watch, you know, churches go to action and not wait on the government to provision for everything. You know, there's three institutions commissioned by God, you know, government, church and families. And to see all three of those in action and, and, and none of them really particularly waiting on the other, that's, that's really, that's, that's how you're supposed to fight. I had a conversation last week with a guy um, and we were talking about that very thing. And you really, you know, for all of the, the what ifs and the questions around Corona sure, and all that sure. kind of stuff, you have to go back to World War II to find an example of where the entire nation rallied around something together. Yeah. Some of us kicking and screaming, but yeah. still rallied around something together. Yeah. And when you think about that, it's actually a phenomenal opportunity. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like I, I, I'm all these presentations I was going to do, I'm obviously not doing anymore. 
but pivoting those to these uh, remote conversations, these virtual conversations. And I was just on the phone with a client earlier and I was telling him, I was like, listen, um, I have fallen in love with this because I have so many meaningful conversations afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, a quick LinkedIn request and then a, then a question that, that likely would not have been asked if, if we were at a keynote presentation yeah. or an, even in a group of people. Um, so it's been interesting to be put in a position where we got to remember how to talk and listen to each other. Um, and that's a sweet byproduct of a, a somewhat scary time, sure. right? And, you know, and carried loads had to change how they're doing things. Um, but it's, it's leading to these amazing conversations and um, the mission continues to, to make Memorial Day matter. And, uh, Let me ask you a question. If folks want to be a part or want to yeah. help carry the load, where do they go? Go to carryload.org. Carryload.org. All the information's on there. Um, pre pretty amazing social media. You can go to Facebook and Insta chat, Snap, whatever, those things, those social those social media things. Uh, LinkedIn's the only one I actually somewhat understand. Um, I was telling my daughter's like, my Snapgram's not working. She's like, there's no <laughs> such thing as Snapgram. Like, what, I can't what, help you, What Dad. are you even talking about, yeah. right? And, uh, but yeah, you can go to carryload.org and, and, and learn just about anything you want to learn. Right. Yeah. And please do, because you never know who's watching you. And, and, and when you do something that you didn't have to do for someone you didn't know, there's symmetry in that. And, and we see that. And it's really, it's been really amazing, you know, almost 10 years now to, to I got a phone call from the child of one of my friends that we lost. And, and she told me, she said, you know, 10 years ago, you told me you were going to make sure no one forgot my dad. And I said, yeah, she goes, and they haven't. And I'm and like, Man, that's amazing. It's ama and it's not, I mean, Carol, it's so much bigger than me. And we have so many amazing people in it. And, and, uh, but it is, it is special to, um, as, a, as a guy who buried his father in 1992, when someone runs into me who knew my dad, I become a scared 18-year-old kid again. And, and then they start telling me about my dad. I'll, I'll never get tired of learning about my father. And, you know, carry the load creates that opportunity to, to, for some of us to, hey, let me tell you about your dad, right? And, and, uh, or to learn about someone you didn't even know who thought you were worth it, and then be called to action to be worth it. People ask me, they go, hey, thank you for your service. And I go, thanks for being worth it. And it kind of catches them off sure. guard the first time I say it. And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, that's what we're thinking. We're over there away from our families. Man, I hope these people are worth it. And then you come home and you see them and you see the way they're leading their community and they're impacting their families and their, you know, serving and then you're like yeah they're worth yeah. it right so it's you know the whole the whole nation serves it's kind of that saving private ryan moment you know where he goes make sure you were worth make sure it you're worth it right and and, and i think and, those of us who um <clears throat> wrestle with living on borrowed time we we, we, we want to work really hard to be worth it right and 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 uh i think all of us want to be I, I think when you've lost someone the worst thing you could do is waste time they no longer have. You know, time and tide wait for no man or woman, so we gotta be worth our time, right? And, and, and for me, Carry the Load has been one of the most magic, uh, a marathon of magical moments for, for almost a decade now. And I'm so proud of what they're doing now and how they're doing things, and it's amazing. If you don't mind, talk a little bit about the connection between Carry the Load and Memorial Day mm -hmm. and your faith. Yeah. Because um, I, think, I think you do such a great job, and this is one of the things that Debbie Lee does so well yeah. when she talks about Mark, is yeah. to say what Mark did in Ramadi is not equal to what Christ did on the cross, but right. there is a connection there. 
Well, I mean, it's like... Mm -hmm. It's the greater love has no man than this. Yeah, and for me, the whole thing is like, you know, who shall ascend? Here here am I, send me, right? And, and And I think we need to apply that to everyday life. And sometimes we relegate the applicability of that scripture to just... Uh, incredible moments but someone someday is having the worst day of their life and when you could be that person that says here am I send me for, for just that one thing then and it's not about justifying our days it's about using our days and and for me fundamental uh, listen contributing resources is powerful and, and, and giving money is wonderful right um, but I think going to work and, and doing action and fundamentally doing something um, means a lot. And, and, and doing things that, that requires sacrifice. And, you know, Chris Kyle told me one time, you know, he, he'd started working out again. And I said, why are you working out so hard again? He goes, uh, good pain pushes out bad pain. And, and I remember that. I remember that as an athlete. I remember that as an operator. And there's something about people watching you sacrifice or um, incur pain or, and I'm not about, I'm not a masochist, right? But I do think going to action uh, says more than a lot of words can, right? And and it's been fun to, for, for me, that's, that's that's kind of fundamentally what Christ says. It's I mean, it's not salvation through acts, right? That's not the point. But the point is, like, how could you not go to work for a creator like that, right? And so for me, that was just a way to go to work. You know, it's important that we understand There's a distinction between Christ follower or Christian and American. It is a gift of God that we get to live in this country, that we enjoy and experience the freedoms that we do, even with all of our challenges. But to never forget the ultimate expression of memorial, the ultimate expression of sacrifice is Jesus Christ himself. And it is this sacrifice of Christ that we remember. We thank God for those in our nation who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms we enjoy on the way to remembering that it was Christ who made the perfect sacrifice for ultimate freedom. This is what we celebrate this Memorial Day weekend. It was Jesus himself who said in John chapter 15, verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is what Jesus has done for you. It's what he did for me. And so I wonder today as we draw this time of worship to a close, Have you personally experienced that? Have you personally stepped into that relationship with God through Christ? You see, that was the purpose of the cross. That is the power of the resurrection. That in Christ, we could be called friends of God. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you to call you a friend, to call me a friend. And so in this moment, I wanna invite you, if you would, just to bow your heads and let's pray together. If you've never stepped into that relationship, then as a church, we wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now, just to pray silently 
where you are, something like this in your own words, from your heart to God's, just say this, just, Jesus, I need you. I know that I need the forgiveness of my sin. And in this moment, I choose to believe that you laid down your life for me. I choose to believe that you rose from the dead, offering new life. And in this moment, I accept that offer. Jesus, in exchange for your life, I give you mine. And I will follow you from this moment forward with everything I have. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Hey, listen, if that was your prayer, if this is that moment for you, then as a family, we want you to know that this is the biggest moment of your life. This is the moment that we have prayed for. This is the moment that this whole service has been leading toward in your life and in others like you. And so as a church, we wanna help with the moments that follow, with what comes next. However you're dialed into this service, there is a place for you to connect with the family of faith. An opportunity, the connect card. If you would just hit that link and then let us know that God did that in your life, that you responded to that grace initiative. Just let us know that and then we can help with what comes next with the moments to follow. That's our privilege. That's our responsibility as a church. And we just want to let you know on this Memorial Day weekend that we love you. And for the entire church family, Julie and I love you and we're praying for you. Hope that you have a safe Memorial Day, that you remember and understand what it means and that you have a great week on the other side of it. God bless you.